Uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. It's good to be here at home, uh, Miles Road Baptist Church, and to fill the pulpit for my daddy in the ministry. And uh, that's what Pastor Jim is to me. I've said that for many years. He's my daddy in the ministry, and uh, I love him. Many years ago, when I was pastoring Pine Grove Baptist Church out in Givans, um, this church here had a, a seminary, a Covenant Theological Seminary, and I came down here to apply uh, for classes. And uh, that year, they uh, discontinued the, uh, the, the school here, but Pastor Jim called me. and He said, I still want to get you connected. And, uh, and he said, uh, if you'll let me, I'll take you underneath my wing, and I'll help you. And he's been my daddy in the ministry ever since. And uh, I love Pastor Jim. I love this church. Y'all are my family. It's always good to come back home. We've been out various places preaching the gospel. Last night I had the um, honor and privilege to preach at a uh, wild game banquet up at Rocks Pond in Utahville. And hundreds of hundreds of people there. And, uh, and to, to, uh, to God be the glory for what he did. But we had uh, 30 people uh, publicly respond, come forward last night to receive Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, 26 adults and four children. And we just praise God for what he did there last night. And uh, so God's working. God's still moving. People are responding to the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I know there's a lot of people say you can't preach that stuff anymore because people get offended by it. Let me tell you something. If you just preach the unadulterated word of God, God can use that as a sword to prick the hearts of people, to draw people. And people still respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for all of your prayers. I praise God for all of your support, your encouragement. I love you with all my heart. And uh, keep praying. Keep praying. We got uh, several invitations already uh, that have come in uh, to do revivals and stuff this spring. And just looking forward to um, uh, what God has in store. And uh, but y'all just keep just keep praying, keep the encouragement and stuff coming. And uh, and we're going to continue to do Lord's work. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to speak on this subject: the perfect will of God. The perfect will. Of God, and it's going to be more of a teaching, preaching type message. I know normally I'm very evangelistic and, and, and primarily preach, but this morning, like our Brother Norman said, that uh, God's called him to teach, and uh, and that's one of the things God's called me to do as well, and as to teach. In Ephesians chapter four, He's called some to teach, and um, and so and uh, and so that's what I, I'm going to do this morning, and um, but as and it's going to be more of a topical message, so it's not really. Uh, going to be an expository message. We, we're going to go through uh, a pastor scripture and break it down, but we're going to look at various scriptures, and I'm going to uh, talk about uh, briefly about the sovereign will of God, the known will of God, and the revealed will of God. But for our text this morning, I would like to use Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews 13, and we're going to read verses 20 and 21. Then we're going to jump back real quick to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. So it's going to be Hebrews chapter 13, 20 and 21. And then uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, real quick, and then that'll get us started, and uh, we'll get into the message. But thank you so much. It's good to be here. Whenever you found your places, this is something I like to do. If you're physically able, please stand in reverence to honor the reading of God's inspired, infallible, inerrant, all-sufficient, holy word. 
Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, listen to this, verse 21, make you perfect in every good work to what? To do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Turn back with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. These should be very familiar scriptures to us here in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen to verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, the King James says, that ye may prove, that word can be translated discern, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, that you may discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may be seated. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Abba, Father, my heavenly daddy, I come to you again this morning. I want to thank you, God, once again for the awesome privilege and honor to be in this pulpit this morning. Like Brother Norman's already prayed, please be with Pastor Jim, Brother Keith, others that are traveling this morning, all different places, be with them, keep them safe, protect them. We pray, God, at the appointed time, bring them back safely home. We pray, dear God, for those that have needs in this service this morning, as I was told prior to the service uh, starting today, that um, there's some that will be having surgery this week, others that are just going through some tough times, Lord, you know every need represented. And I pray, God, meet every need as you see fit. It's been done according to thy perfect will. And I pray you be glorified as a result. I pray, God, just give peace where peace is needed, strength where strength is needed, encouragement where encouragement is needed. Meet every need as you see fit. Dear God, now I pray that you would help me. Help me be the best vessel that I could possibly be for thee today. I pray, dear God, for that fresh anointing. I pray, Father, that you would just once again put your words in me. Bring them through me. Bring them off my tongue, through my lips. And Lord, as I mentioned a few moments ago, use your words this morning as a sword. Prick the hearts of those that are gathered here in such a way that we will be convicted. Like Brother Norman prayed earlier, Lord, search us. If there's anything in us that's not pleasing to thee, Lord, point it out. Show it to us, God. And I pray, God, if there's one here this morning that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, and they're not absolutely sure that they'd be in heaven 
If they had died 30 seconds ago, I prayed that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray, dear God, for others that know without a doubt they are saved, but they're not in right fellowship with you. They're not in your will. I pray, dear God, for them, Lord, that they would do what they need to do, do this morning to get right with you and right fellowship with you. And then, Lord, start heading in the direction to be in your perfect will. I pray, dear God, your will be done today. Touch hearts and change lives for your glory. And I pray that we could all leave in much better shape than the way we come in. If there's any demonic spirits here the, this morning, we pray, dear God, that you would bind them up and keep them mute or get them out. We pray only the Holy Spirit would be allowed to work in our midst. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. And God's people said, amen and amen. So if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me say many, many, many times, do you know that 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 you're saved? And if you had died 30 seconds ago, that you'd be in heaven right now. Do you know that? And, and, and I do want to ask that question this morning, and, and, uh, and I, I pray that you do know that for sure. But if you are not absolutely sure, does that concern you? Does it concern you that you're not absolutely sure? I pray that God would use this message this morning to bring conviction to your heart, to draw him to yourself. And I pray at the invitation that you would respond and accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. But the, the second question this morning is, do you know that you know that you know that you know you're in the perfect will of God? You see, God has a will. It's broken up into three parts. Number one is the sovereign will of God. In Daniel, it says that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will. God does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? So in other words, there's certain things that God says this is going to happen and there's nothing that nobody can do to change it. An example of that that would be very easy for you to comprehend, understand, is that we find that there's many passages through the scriptures that says that this is what's going to happen in the future. That there will be the rapture of the church. The Lord Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take his children up to heaven with him. And that uh, those that are, are, are dead in Christ, that, that they will rise first and, and, uh, and, and they, they're going to receive uh, this brand new body. They're going to be taken up and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to be changed in the, in the twinkling of an eye. Get brand new bodies, be taken up to heaven with them where we'll be with the Lord. And uh, so that's going to happen. There's nothing that no one can do to change that. There's going to be seven years of tribulation on earth. And then in Revelation chapter 19, the Lord Jesus comes back on a white horse with the armies of heaven. That's all of us riding with him. That's going to happen. There's going to be a 1,000-year millennial reign. And then the devil's going to be turned loose for a short while. And then he'll be destroyed, all those that come with him. Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment of God. 
Revelation chapter 21, the new heaven and the new earth. This is, this is an example of the sovereign will of God. This will happen. There's no force on the earth that can change that, that can stop that. The devil and every demon that he has on his side can come and try to stop it from happening. But there's no power, there's no force in the spiritual realm on earth that can stop or change the sovereign will of God. There's much more we could speak about that, but that's not really where I want to be at this morning. Secondly, there's the known will of God. That's what's clearly spelled out in Scripture. You don't have to guess it. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to ask anybody else. It's clearly spelled out in Scripture in black and white. It's the known will of God. Let me give you some examples. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. This is the will of God, that all be saved and all come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not that God says, okay, I'm going to save this crowd, but I'm not going to save this crowd. It's the will of God that all be saved. You don't have to wonder about that. Number two, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, etc., etc. Talks about holy living and how to live right in the eyes of God, how this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the will of God. You don't have to ask God about that. It's God's will that we be sanctified, that we become more and more like Him day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, us to be transformed and, and become more like Christ. It's His will that, that we uh, 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 be like Christ, that we uh, uh, um, represent Him, that when people, we talk, that people hear Christ. When, when, whenever we walk, we walk like He would have us to walk. You notice and you've heard this said, but sometimes we're the only Jesus that people see. Thirdly, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the will of God to give thanks in all things. You don't have to say, God, should I give thanks about this? Should I? No, God says in all things, give thanks. That's the will of God. I was thinking a while ago, you know, because I didn't have this in my notes, and as... Um, We've heard that beautiful singing this morning and the young adults and Miss Cecilia and, and man, what an awesome service that we've had so far in, in um, the worship service. And I was thinking, you know, about the will of God, this message, it was on my mind. And I thought about uh, Psalms 150. And, and it says, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to the excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. I almost started dancing up here, but I said, well, let me read the Scripture first. <laughs> Praise Him with the stringed in instruments and, or and, and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. This is the will of God. You don't have to say, uh, should we uh, play instruments unto the Lord? 
while we're singing, whether it be on CD, whether it be live, hey, God says, this is my will. I want you to do this. I'm telling you to do this. Brother Chip, you don't have to say, Lord, is it God's will for me to go to church? He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some have gotten the habit of doing, but do more so as you see the day approaching. You don't have to say, God, is it your will? He already told us in his word, it is my will. You don't have to say, is it your will, God, did I pray? He says, pray without ceasing. That means you don't conversate with God throughout the day. On the way down here this morning, uh, I got up early, I studied, I prepared some, and, and then as I got ready and I got in the truck and already had prayed some prior to, to, to starting to, to study a little bit and prepare some this morning, and then on the way down here, just praying and praising God. Continually pray without ceasing. That's just continual communication with God. Like Brother Norman said, that's probably the greatest act of worship is that communion with God. That intimacy with God. Let me tell you something. God's not just here at the altar. He's sitting in your car with you. He's sitting in the pickup truck with you. He's at your workplace. He's at your school place. Wherever you go, God is there. You say, well, man, it's so hard to, to, um, to really do anything for the Lord in the workplace. Let me tell you something. I was talking with a gentleman last night at the Wild Game Banquet. He works at a certain place, and he says, yeah, they used to let us pray in there, but they won't let us do it. I said, but let me tell you something, sir. You can still let Jesus live in you, through you, and you can still be light in the midst of darkness by the way that you act, by the way that you react, by the way that you talk. People will know that you're different. You can still be light in the midst of darkness. This is the will of God. He tells us through the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's the will of God that we tell other people about Jesus. He's given us a message of reconciliation to let people know God wants to reconcile with man. God wants to bring man back to himself. He's already built a bridge through his son, Jesus Christ. He's already made a way where to go and take that message and say the bridge is built. Get on it. Come to God. That's the will of God that we share that message. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to ask about it. Brother Norman, should I, should I come to church? Brother Norman, should I pray? Brother Norman, should I go out and witness? Help me. Let me tell me. No, it's all written down in God's Word. You don't have to ask, Brother Norman. You don't have to ask, Pastor Jim. You don't have to ask anybody. It's spelled out in Scripture. It's the known will of God. Then thirdly, and this is where I want to be at. The revealed will of God. And as I was studying, some say that this is the revealed will of God. And, and that's fine to call it that. But I chose to call this the known will of God. And I choose to call the revealed will of God what God has not clearly revealed in Scripture, but He will clearly reveal to us in time. You see, it doesn't say in this scripture, and I know some of y'all heard me say this before in other messages, but nowhere in this Bible, and I have looked through it and looked through it and looked through it and looked through it, and it's not in here, I promise you, and, 
And you ain't no need for you to start flipping pages and looking. Because I promise you it's not in here. There's nowhere in this Bible where it says, on November 26, 1998, 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning, Scott Eady is going to be called to be a preacher of the gospel. It's not in here. Don't start looking. It's not in here. That's something that God had to reveal to me. God had to reveal. It's not clearly spelled out in Scripture. It's not part of the known will of God. It's not in black and white in this book. That's something that God had to reveal to me uh, at his perfect timing. And, uh, and, and so there's a lot the Scripture has to say about God's will for our lives. One that y'all are very familiar with is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts or the plans that I think uh, towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end to, or to give you a future filled with hope. He says in Ephesians chapter 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I've already got a set of blueprints for you, and, 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 and I know that, that, that on this verse, I've preached on this verse in this church before, but just bear with me for just a moment, those that have already heard it. But, but God has a plan, and he has all of this work lined up for us to do. Now, we don't know exactly what this specific work is, but what God wants us to do is what we already know to do. The known will of God. Be obedient to what you already, if, you, if I haven't revealed nothing extra to you yet, if you don't know that you're supposed to be doing certain things, specific things that's not clear to spell out in Scripture, go ahead and do what you know to do. Be obedient to what you already know to do. And then in my perfect time and whenever I can trust you with what you already know to do, then I'll reveal some of this other stuff to you that you don't know you're supposed to do yet. And it's already a plan. There's already some works. And he wants us to walk in those works. Not over here, not over there, not on the outside of the, the wall over here in the hallway, not in the parking lot. It's right here. The works that he's ordained before the beginning of time. He knew that you and I would be alive on this earth in 2017. And he had works already ordained for us to walk in. Already a plan in place. You don't have to pray and say, God, uh, you know, help me to come up with a plan for my life. No, Lord, just show me the plan that you already got for my life. And help me to walk in it. But let me ask you this. Why in the world, why would he reveal something to you that's not already clearly spelled out in Scripture if you can't be faithful with what you already know to do? If you won't be a witness... You won't tell other people about Jesus. You won't pass out gospel tracts. You won't share your testimony when God gives you opportunities to share your testimony. If you will not be a witness, if you will not pray like you ought to, if you will not assemble yourself with the saints like you ought to, if you will not praise Him like you ought to, why in the world would He trust you with anything else? If you're miserable as a child of God, it could be that you're not in the will of God. And the reason you're not in the will of God is because you're not being obedient to the known will of God, which you already know to do. Does it, does it make sense? Let me try to illustrate it for you. Turn with me to Acts chapter 6. There's a clear, and there's many examples in God's word of how 
his plan, his will is illustrated in somebody's life. But I want to choose one here that we don't hear a whole lot about. Acts chapter number 6. This is good stuff. It, it gets me pretty excited. It gave me, got me pretty excited when God foreshowed it to me. And, and then uh, as I preach it uh, at different times, man, I, just, I get excited every time I look at it. Acts chapter number 6. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve, the twelve disciples, they've already replaced Judas, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among ye seven men, Watch this now. Seven men of honest report. They had a real good reputation. They were the real deal. They weren't just talkers, but, but, but they were walkers. I mean, I mean, they lived what they preached. They didn't just say, I'm a Christian. They lived out the Christian life. Had a good reputation of honest, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, on a daily basis, they, they were saying, God, help me to die to self. Help me crucify this flesh again. Holy Ghost, take absolute control of my mind, my body, my entire being. I want you to be in control today. I don't want to be in control. Galatians chapter 5 says there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And that daily we need to say, God, help me die to this flesh. I want to be filled with the Holy I want the Holy Ghost to have control over every fiber of my being. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he was full of the Holy Ghost for the most part. When they saw him, when people saw him, they said, you know what? That man's under the control of the Spirit of God. He's not talking out the flesh. He's not acting out in the flesh. He's not reacting in the flesh. He's not walking in the flesh. He's under the control of the Spirit of God. But then, and wisdom. That particular word, wisdom, in the Greek means a godly wisdom from studying the Scriptures. A godly wisdom that you, that you get from studying the Scripture, searching the Scriptures. What does this mean? And so this man had a very good understanding of the Word of God. So he was a man of honest report, had a good reputation. He, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was a man of godly wisdom. Whom are these seven men? That's, that's, who, that's who we want you to look for. Whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, and the same pleased the whole multitude. Everybody was happy. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip. And then they chose five more. I'm going to stop right there with Philip. So Philip was a man that was doing, watch this, all that he knew to do. They didn't have the New Testament then like we got it now. But what they did have is they had the Old Testament, and they had what the disciples were talking about, what they had seen, what they had heard through the ministry of Jesus Christ already on the earth, what, what was circulating around, what they knew to be true. They did have that. What the disciples were getting from God on a daily basis to convey to the people, they were getting that. And so this man was, had a good reputation. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he had, a God, he had godly wisdom. This man named Philip. 
So he was doing all he knew to do. Watch this. To obey the known will of God. God entrusted him with, with the known will of God. He was doing all that he knew to do to obey the known will of God. Watch this. So now, God works through the church. He uses the church as an instrument to reveal to Philip and these other men, this is some of the work that's not clearly spelled out in Scripture that I want you to do. I want you to serve tables. You see, what they would do during those days is the disciples sit here, the disciples prayed, the disciples preached, the disciples taught, Disciples were doing all the ministry of the Lord, but they also, as the church grew, they discovered that, that a lot of people in the church had needs. So there was, there was a service there that needed to be rendered to these people that had needs. And what would happen, Barnabas and some other people said, you know what, I'm going to sell my possessions, I'm going to give all of the money to you so you can help those in the church that have needs. Other people said, listen, I'm going to bring stuff. I'm going to bring stuff. I'm going to give to the church so that the needs of others, my other brothers and sisters, can be met. And so the disciples, as people came forward, disciples were saying, listen, you know, let me check this need out. Let me make sure it's legitimate. Make sure it's the real deal. And if it is legitimate, we're going to take the resources that we have here at the church and try to meet this need. But there were some that said, listen, others are being treated better than we are. Other people are getting their needs met, but we're not getting our needs met. So the disciple says, we got too much on us. We're trying to listen to God, trying to pray, trying to preach and teach and do all this stuff here. We, we cannot also uh, continue to, to do ministry and serve the church by, by using the resources we got to meet their needs. So what we got to do is we got to get some more people. People to have a good reputation, honest report, people filled with the Holy Ghost, and people to have a good godly wisdom that's already obeying the known will of God. We're going to need to take them, get them, let's choose them, let's choose seven, and appoint them to this business. Philip was one of them. So now Philip, is re it's revealed to Philip through the church, this is a part of the plan of God that he has for your life, the will of God for your life, it's not clearly spelled out in Scripture. God's revealing it to you through the church. Philip says, okay, I believe it's the will of God. I, I, I believe that this is it. And God will let you know. God just has ways of confirming his will. There's a peace that comes with the will of God. Gideon flew out, threw out a fleece and, 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 and talked about, well, let it be wet on one side, dry on the other, and so forth. Did it for a couple of days. And, and God showed to him, this is my will. God does the same thing with us. He'll show us. He'll confirm, this is my will. This is what I want you to do. When God would first call me into law enforcement, I came to Pastor Jim with uh, uh, several pages that I had documented over a period of, uh, of about eight months. And I said, Pastor Jim, look over this right here. And he looked over it. And it was on this day at this time, this is what happened. This day at this time, this is what happened. This day at this time, this is what happened. This day at this time, this is what happened. Several pages. And he read through all those pages. And he said, something like, my goodness, son, the Lord's calling you into law enforcement. He confirmed it here and here and here and here and here and here. And then put the page here and here and here and here and here. And put the page in here and here and here and here. Just over and over and over. God was confirming, this is what I want you to do. This is how I'm leading you. This is part of the work that I have planned for your life. I take being in the will of God more serious than anything else.
as a child of God. There's nothing more important to me as a child of God than being in the will of God. I take it very, very, very serious. And God will show you and he'll confirm over and over and over and over. So Philip says, okay, God's revealed to me. This is the, some of the, the specific work he wants me to do. So yes, I'll do it. I don't have to be up on the platform. I don't have to be out here in the public. I can, I, I, I can sit at the table. I can be thankful for the work God's given me to do. I'm going to do this work to the best of my ability with all my heart. Do it in a way that pleases God. This is God's work. I get a privilege to work for the Lord. And so, man, he worked at that table. He worked in that position. Serving the church. Taking the resources that the church had. Meeting the needs of the people. He was faithful with the work God gave him to do. Now, I want you to look over here with me. Turn over with me to Acts chapter number 8. He's, all, he's being faithful to what he already knows to do. The known will of God was clearly spelled out in Scripture. And now God gives him this other work to serve tables, and he's being faithful with that. Acts chapter number 8, let's start with verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This is Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. So Stephen, one of these seven, was martyred and, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made, havoc, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now watch this. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and did what? Preached Christ unto them. Now, in Acts chapter 6, was it revealed to him that he was to be what we call today a deacon in the church? To serve tables? Or, or was it revealed to him at that time that he was to preach? In Acts chapter 6, was it revealed for him to work at the tables and to serve or to preach? It was to serve, right? It was not revealed in Acts chapter 6 that he was to be a preacher. But here in Acts chapter 8, watch this, because he's been faithful with serving at the tables, now God says, I'm going to reveal to you some more of the work that I have planned for you. I want you to be a preacher of the gospel. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So now Philip says, okay, Lord, I, I, I know you're revealing more work to me. God's put a word in him. Jeremiah says, it's in me like a fire in my bones. It cannot be contained. I can't hold it up. God, he's put it in me. Woo! I got to get it out. I can't hold it back. I can't keep my mouth shut. God's called me to be a preacher of the word of God. Philip gets down to Samaria. He's looking for a table. God says no. God puts a word in him and says let it rip. Philip opens up his mouth and it begins to come out. Now he's preaching the gospel. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Watch this. 
hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. What? Now God's performing miracles through him. Let me back up and say this. God can't trust everybody with serving tables. It goes to the head. Pride. Arrogance. On and on. But God trusted him with tables. He was faithful with that. God can't trust everybody with preaching the word. But he trusted Philip. Philip was faithful with that. God can't trust everybody with bringing healing power through them in healing people. Because you know what a lot will do? They'll call Live 5 News and say, get out here, I just healed somebody. And they'll want all the glory. But God trusted Philip with healing. He was faithful with what he knew to do back in Acts chapter 6. Then he was faithful with the tables, faithful with preaching the word. Now he's faithful with God performing miracles through him. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And then unclean spirits came out. People were being delivered. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So he was part of their baptism. Watch this. Look down with me at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Mr. C. sang a song a while ago about maybe I've never heard his voice, my ears never heard his voice, and, and, so, th- and so forth, but that God deals with our hearts. He speaks to our hearts. We know that he's there. We know he's real. There's no doubt about that. We maybe have never seen the picture of the, the face of Jesus Christ, but we know him. We may have never felt the, uh, uh, the hand, I mean the, the physical touch of his hand, but we, we know we felt it in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe you've never heard that, that, that voice, his voice, that clear, audible voice, but you've heard it with your heart. But the Bible says here, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto, unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is the desert. So now an angel of the Lord comes and speaks with Philip. God can't entrust everybody with that. Because they'll go around, guess what, everybody? I had an angel speak to me. They'll be more concerned about letting everybody know on Facebook than an angel spoke to them instead of doing what the angel told them to do. That's a good place for an amen. Now, Philip could have said, Lord, you're talking to the wrong person. Because I done become pretty popular here around Samaria. I'm the big evangelist. I'm the big preacher. Everybody's listening to my message. I'm touching people and healing people. I'm delivering people from demonic spirits and so forth. And Lord, I, I'm the big preacher around some area. Surely you don't want me to, me to leave the big crowds and go out to the desert where there's hardly nobody. You must be calling a little preacher around here to do that. No. Philip was obedient to what God was telling him to do. 
as God revealed this work to Philip, he was obedient. He was obedient with what he knew to do, what was clearly spelled out in Scripture. Then as God began to reveal stuff to him, he was obedient. So he goes. He arose and went. He didn't have a discussion with God. He didn't throw a fleece out like Gideon did or anything else. He knew that God was speaking to him through this angel. He knew that this was the will of God, and so he was obedient. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. We see that he's traveling in a chariot. Philip comes up beside him. And then the Spirit said unto Philip in verse 29, Now the Spirit of God is speaking to Philip. He's being told what to do. It's been revealed to him. This is what I want you to do. This is my will. This is my plan. The Spirit of God speaks to him, and he says, uh, uh, go near and join thyself to this chariot. I'm sure the eunuch had some guards around him. I'm sure there was some type of entourage, you know, or to protect him. He was a, a very important man, a man of great authority. You just didn't come up to somebody like this. But the Spirit said, go. He went. He's walking. He hears the eunuch reading the Scriptures. He ends up, uh, starting a conversation with him. Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? He invites Philip to get up in the chariot with him. Philip explains the, the word of God to him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then it says that in verse 30, 36, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I pray that you don't have a Bible that leaves 37 out. But some Bibles do. 37 says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, And he commanded that the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, and both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, this is what I want you to see. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azostus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. It says he was caught away. Well, Norman, I've studied this. In the same word, words that we get the word rapture from, is the same words that are used right here. So one day the Lord Jesus is going to come back and and he's going to snatch us up or catch us away. He's going to rapture us. He's going to bring us from earth to heaven. We're going to be changed in route. The same word is used right here. I don't know exactly how it all happened, but this is what I believe. The scripture is telling us. That Philip disappeared at that watering hole and appeared in the Zostas. Now, I know without a doubt God can't trust everybody with that. But God could trust Philip. And Philip got to Azostas and all those cities he went to afterward. He wasn't saying, let me tell you about my rapture experience. He preached the word of God to him. You see how little by little God revealed to Philip the work that he had ordained for him. 
little by little, as he was being faithful with what he knew to do, God would give him a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Turn with me. I think it's Acts chapter 21. We're going to wrap it up. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Luke. Luke, the one who wrote the gospel of Luke, is the same one who wrote the book of Acts. Listen to what he says. And the next day we. So Luke was there with them. And the next day we that were of Paul's company. Remember Saul that started all that persecution back in Acts chapter 8. He's been saved. He's been changed. Now his name is Paul. And we, and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of who? The who? In Acts chapter 6, did it say that God called Philip to be an evangelist? It says that he called him to serve tables. But now the last place where Philip's mentioned that in Scripture, he's known. He's known as Philip the evangelist. If you be faithful, we just started 2017. Maybe I hadn't been in the will of God in 2016 and, and right on back. Now you got a new year. A fresh start. Why don't you say to God, Lord, I don't know if I've been in your will in the past. Lord, I hadn't been obeying the known will. I know that like I should. But God, help me here at the beginning of 2017 to obey what you've clearly spelled out in Scripture. Help me to obey that to the best of my ability, to do what I already know to do. And Lord, as I'm faithful with that, would you reveal some of this stuff to me that's not clearly spelled out in Scripture, some of this work that you've got ordained to me for me to do? God, I want to be right in the center of your will in the center of your plan. I want to know, Lord, that I'm right where I need to be so I can be living in that future that's filled with hope that Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about. God, I want to have your blessing. And you, a lot of you have heard me say this before. If this is God's plan, this is God's will for your life, this is where the provision's at. This is where the protection is at. This is where the blessings are at. I'm not going to say you ain't going to go through hard times because you will. But I'm telling you right now, when you go through hard times in this path, you're going to know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is right there with you. You're going to know that. But if you're over here, ma'am, sir, as a child of God, and you're trying to, to live a Christian life over here, you might be crawling under a pew, crawling over top of a pew, crawling under a pew, over top of a pew. It's going to be so much more difficult, and you're going to be miserable because you're not where God wants you to be. You're not doing the work God's ordained for you to do here and what he wants to reveal to you, and that ain't where the provision and the blessings and protection and everything else is at. It's here. So make a decision this morning. Number one, if you don't know him, I pray that you'd come to know him as your Lord and Savior. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you would believe in him, that means make him Lord. That makes make him Savior of your life. Say, God, I'm giving the rest of my life to you. I'm trusting you with the rest of my life here on earth. This is no longer my life, it's yours. You will not perish and go to hell, but you'll have everlasting life in heaven. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn you, but that you might be saved through him. God loves you. He's done everything that needs to be done to save you and give you a new life on earth and eternal life in heaven. If you don't know him, I prayed it this morning, you'd come to know him as Lord and Savior. Number two, you say I already know him. If you don't believe you're right where you're supposed to be at, I pray that you would have a little talk with Jesus this morning. Make things right. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you have strayed and you're out here somewhere, I'm telling you right now, if you'll come and confess your sins and ask God to forgive you and cleanse you and to pick you up from where you strayed and put you right back where you're supposed to be, God will do that this morning. He'll pick you up. He'll clean you off. He'll put you right back where you're supposed to be, and he'll give you a fresh start. He loves you. It's not that he's out here saying, I want to try to keep my will, my plans from everybody. No, he wants to show them to us. You see how quick he was showing them to Philip? It's about being right here where you're supposed to be.